0: Hello and welcome to Two Hearts, a new Who podcast. I'm James. And I'm
1: Callum, and this is the only podcast where... Uh... uh chocolate... every week here on two hearts we take a look at another episode from the doctor who revival but right now um we're at the end of our flux reaction specials because this week we are looking at the vanquishers um but before that as always quick reminder you can find us on social media that is twitter facebook and instagram at two hearts pod the number two and you can email us at two at gmail.com that's two, the word two, to have your thoughts and feelings shared on the show right now though we are going to share our thoughts and feelings. And James, uh, what what's what are we feeling coming into this final episode of Flux?
0: I'm I'm just kind of tired.
1: <laughs> like, um, I look. Let's get to the news first. Let's kick <laughs> that can down the road. <laughs> yes, fair enough. And we do have a couple of news items. Um, the main one being that we saw this interview pop up from Jodie Whittaker, where she was talking about. Um, Thoughts and feelings leaving the show Um, And it's like It's an incredible um, Quote that they've used to uh, Promote it because it says um, You know Jodie Whittaker Says goodbye to Doctor Who Quote I thought what if I've ruined this For actresses Um, You know which obviously Mm. got our Heads like In a tailspin Um, Because we It's something that we've always sort of speculated But never sort of had Jody, like, she's never verbalised it before as, like, that, or at least not to my memory, that kind of fear of not only being the first, but also that fear of the repercussions if the show isn't, like, taken in the critical best light, you know? Um, that's a terrible yeah. way of putting it, but you know <clears throat> what I mean? No, no, I, I do get what you're saying.
0: And, like, we've talked about this before when we've talked about Chibnall's era, but, like, um, the the blame for lack of a better word for what has gone on in this era of the show is at Chibnall's feet. Like this, he is the showrunner, He's the writer. Um, I think Jodie Whittaker has done the best job she possibly could with the material she's been given. And sometimes she even elevates that material quite nicely. Um, I, I've always been a, a, a fan of her as a, as a screen presence. And yeah, the idea that like there was even a moment where she was um, concerned that this would go on to sort of impact Uh, other actresses coming into the role Um, although I I guess you know especially in retrospect um, you know the way that she was treated by certain corners of fandom and and the way sort of some of the general populace has reacted to you know the idea of having a woman as the doctor like it it would be impossible not to internalize that pressure um, Mm. and and some of that toxicity and it's just yeah like I think we've been pretty clear on the show that like we're fans of Jodie Whittaker and um, I, I I do think she should be proud of the work she's done here
1: yeah, absolutely, and like as she points out in the same interview, like it's not as if she's alone. You know, the the season after her first introduced Joe Martin, um, and as seasons gone on, I think she's obviously kind of steeled herself more and more against that kind of baseless misogynistic mm. criticism. Um, but that very first season, because that's where that quote comes from, is is her describing her feeling watching that very first episode and thinking, you know, have I, have has she, she, you know, hindered other women from taking the part in future. Um, hmm. and I hope not. I hope the answer is no. Um, but it is, it is very telling. And I, something I, I guess I knew at the time, but never thought about until I read this interview was like the fact that, you know, when most doctors are cast, it's like, are they a good fit for the show? And then yet when she was cast, it was, are women a good fit? And yeah. that, cru- that, that crucial, like world changing turn yeah gosh i mean we always knew it was there but i never thought about that's my own um privilege of the kind of weight on her shoulders until i read this interview Mm -hmm. so um jody whittaker no, no matter our feelings about the show and we've been pretty vocal here on two hearts we always appreciate that you were the first on the show yeah yeah absolutely Um, Speaking
0: of women on the show, Mandip Gill is also out here vaguely threatening to never leave, um, which I'm quite charmed by, if I'm being honest.
1: (laughs) Tell us about the image they used for this article. (laughs)
0: Yeah, she's just kind of like, she's kind of looking back over her shoulder. She's looking very determined. I, I'm, I'm very here for it. Basically, um, oh, thank you, Radio Times, for throwing a pop-up in front of me as I'm trying to read this article. Um, the, the the gist of it, from my understanding, is that she, you know, she did an interview where she said that there's no real reason why, you know, the actors around the Doctor need to change when the Doctor changes. I think there was a bunch of um, fans were quite vocal about this as well. Is that right?
1: Yeah, a lot of fans have been saying, you know, that Dan and um, yeah should stay on. Um, and look, <laughs> I'm I'm all for, you know, companions bridging the gap between doctors. I just, it's different. This Obviously, it's different because we're talking about showrunners here and about showrunners putting their mark on the show. And I, I, I don't think there's ever been, apart from, like, maybe Tom Baker's era, a case of, like, showrunners uh, taking on existing doctors or companions um this is all like annoying little fan talk really but like i think the more pertinent point here is like that man up would want to stay on after i just i just don't know how <laughs> to three how long has it been four five years playing this character yeah, like
0: she-, she would be the longest serving companion of all time that is for sure um i don't know maybe she wants to stay on so that her character can finally get some development
1: oh mm. uh-huh. <laughs> Probably.
0: And meanwhile, Oopsie like, dipsy. who's voting... I,
1: I it up again. <laughs> who's voting for Dan to stay on? Who looks at this <laughs> season and thinks, I want more Dan. More Dan. Oh. Oh, Dan. Speaking we'll of people who shouldn't come back, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Eggway. <laughs> this incre-
0: that was actually very impressive um there was uh, this phenomenal clip of Billy Piper that has surfaced I'm pretty sure it was from an interview that was uh about a year ago it was before the um the the drama or the the um, the that right and- word for it yeah, the the, uh, the revelations, I suppose, around what happened with um, Noel Clark and uh, John Barrowman on the set of Doctor Who. Um, and Billy is in a conversation with... Uh, it looks like Matt Smith is hosting this podcast for some reason. Um, and it's just this little <laughs> clip of her talking about Jack coming back. She's like, why well, did he get to come back? And immediately catches herself like, oops shit. And it's just... Billy Piper is is radiant. She she has so much energy. Um,
1: and I feel yeah. like any chance we get to talk about her on this show, we're going to take it. Absolutely. Because, uh, you know, we said it on this show first. And if it comes true, we'll literally stop, never stop talking about it until we're blue in the face. Billy Piper should be the doctor. Just putting yes. it out there. Completely agreed. Go watch I Hate Susie and tell us that <laughs> we're wrong. In fact, I'd love to talk about I Hate Susie right now. But... Oh, God, I know.
0: You know, folks, we even talked about, like, what if we just did a Succession podcast this week instead? Because
1: if you've watched Succession this week, it was one of the best episodes of television ever made, i say. It was probably, um, like, the best episode of Succession, not only this season, but, yeah, like, all season. It was, like, banger after banger. I said, in the main room, only bangers. And that was Succession <laughs> this week. Um,
0: On the flip side of that... Uh, The Vanquishers is episode 6 of season 13 of the Doctor Who revival. It was written by showrunner Chris Chibnall and directed by Azua Salim. Um. God, where do you want
1: to start? Okay,
0: so... I, I said to Callum before we recorded, we should probably try to do like a like a positive negative, positive positive-negative, positive-negative to try to uh, navigate these waters because, um... My overarching feeling about this finale, um, that's not going to surprise any of you following along at home, but, like, I... I think this is a pretty average episode of Doctor Who. Like, if if you just take it scene by scene in a void without context, it's like, yeah, this is this is an episode of Doctor Who. Whatever. Um, I think specifically as a finale to Flux, it is atrocious. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I I think that this tanks this entire Flux um,
1: experiment uh, pretty pretty hard. How about you? Yeah. Look, I think. In the context of Flux, it's a pretty dismal closer for this story. Um, but I-, I guess the only thing I'd say in response to that, though, is it's probably that my... <laughs> this isn't saying much, but it's probably the the Chibnall- the Chibnall finale that I liked the most of his three. Um, if you don't count Resolution and Revolution as series finales, I mean. Um, mm. Because... At least I felt that... I think not because of anything that actually happened, but because of the conceit of it being, you know, a six-episode story, I was at least sure this was the ending. And (laughs) with some other ones, (laughs) I felt like... The same I felt here where I'm like, I don't feel any sense of closure whatsoever, but, like, those... You just felt like you you were missing something with part of the story. At least here I know I'm not missing anything because this... Marketing has told me there's only six episodes. An epic six-part journey. Oh. And so... My, I really struggle to think about how... As we... I think pretty much for the last half of this season, how to talk about this. But we also have the um added challenge of talking about Flux as a whole. And I look back on this whole, and I'm like, this isn't a story told over six episodes. This is six disparate kind of chapters in a quite a disparate Mm. story. And I don't feel like anything really matters. I didn't... You know what? This is the thing. I didn't feel like anything mattered from week to week. I didn't feel like there were stakes. I didn't feel like there were threads that were building. I felt like we were just getting thrown stuff for six weeks and it was exhausting. And now we're at the end and I'm just like just traumatized more than (laughs) enjoying this experience of watching it all as a whole uh yes yeah
0: i i i completely agree um i i think that um excuse that buzz um i think the problem here is that uh and this is something we talked about last week um each episode of flux delighted in teasing you about the answers um, it, it was, it, you know, you had either textually or metatextually the idea that we were building to something. Um, and now at the end, you know, the main villains were a bit of a nothing. We know nothing more about, um, Azura and, um, uh, Swarm. Uh, We still don't know anything about Swarm and Azur that we didn't know from the Halloween Apocalypse. Uh, We know nothing more about Tectayune than we didn't know from the previous flashback other than that she was part of Division. Uh, We know nothing more about Division. Uh, We know nothing more about the Flux itself. We know nothing more about the Doctor. Um, It's just... I I just think it fails. (laughs) I think it just fundamentally fails because I don't know if Chibnum doesn't have the answers or if you know and the thing is i and i said this on twitter like the ultimately if you want to do this entire story about the doctor chasing this past identity um stuff and then at the end of the day, have her turn around and be like, actually, it doesn't matter because I'm enough. One, as you pointed out to me when I brought this up to you um, off off mic, they've already done that in The Timeless Child or Children. And and two, the problem with it here is that they don't build up to it in any way. Everything up until like that final few beats is about the Doctor feverishly pursuing these answers. And so when she does not about face at the very end, not only does it feel unsatisfying for the character journey that we've been following with, her but it feels specifically insulting to us as a viewer because it's like oh weren't you silly for being invested in this thing that we told you to be invested in
1: uh totally i completely agree and also to go back to what you were saying before um with 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 the characters we have here and the details we know about them it never ever to my mind it never felt like it was a we were learning things about these characters as weeks went on it felt more like Every time we met somebody Chibnall was like Right This is the information I have about them I've written it down On my list I'm just gonna put That information there Right That's done Now what else Do I have to do And it was like A checklist Like a workman-like Checklist of stuff He had to tick off To make sure it was said So that the whole thing Hung together With some semblance Of sense Even though there was none And He could go away Being like At least I didn't Like make something That was completely Incoherent um, I would
0: argue that uh, The Vanquishers is pretty incoherent <laughs> um, like I is, think Flux as a whole Is incoherent
1: <laughs> It is incoherent if, you, if you're if you Listening for nuance But if you're just listening to <laughs> If you're just listening to make sure That the story like you're following it Correctly then it, it, it Well it, this is it, what we
0: talked about With Village of the Angels it's like Well of course it's frustrating if you were Expecting it to make sense you know, it's like you're just meant to go on the vibes, um, and and it, but I mean, look, I, I, this was always going to be hard to talk about without just going off in a million different tangents. So I'm hmm. sorry, but like, I don't even think it was well directed. I, I don't think it looked good. I, I I don't know what I was meant to be holding on to in 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 this last story here. This um,
1: yeah, this episode felt like again to go back to that use that phrase very workmanlike, and that extended. You're right to the like to the visuals because at least there was some good cgi in the last few episodes and locations whereas i think this episode just like hits on all the spaces we've been in before but just slightly shittier like remember when they went back to the temple of atropos but they couldn't afford to put the setup again (laughs) so it was just an exterior somewhere (laughs) like some office building
0: yeah oh that was um oh atropos Remember Atrophos? God, remember so many things. Okay, so let's let's pull back. Let's big picture it or little or macro, micro, I don't really know anymore.
1: Um what where do you want to start? I really want to start with Storm and Azure because I actually feel so pissed off that they became such inconsequential characters that I don't even want to spend time talking about them for very long because I'll just get myself upset. <laughs> <laughs> but like oh. just like the we, I think you and I, when we think back to like Halloween apocalypse and we got those few disparate scenes with Swarm and then later as you were, we were both like amazing, great villains, yeah. great look. I'm really excited for the potential of these characters where we are now. Fucking, that could have been anyone. could have been the master. Doesn't, did not give a shit. Yeah. And that just squanders all that goodwill that we had. Um, I think about, like, you know, that scene with Azure where she says, you know, your faith is that, you know, in space and mine is in time. We got all this talk about, like, what space and time was in this war between the two, but we don't even fucking know what it was for. We don't know what it was for. Mm. And we get a literal deity personified as time that shows up and it's, like, the most uninteresting, most arbitrary thrown in there scene you've ever encountered. Like... Oh. I I feel personally attacked. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel very attacked right now. Um yeah okay so yeah look the time stuff is its own tangent that we need to sort of get to eventually as you are, um i find particularly galling like you said because it is a waste of potential there's a lot of setup in the in that first couple of episodes where they feel imposing they feel powerful they feel like they have purpose and and not just plot purpose but they feel like they specifically have intentions and and desires and goals in mind right um, and so to get to the end of this whole experience and have Azure not even monologue at the Doctor because they have kind of a back and forth about, essentially, you know, is like, well, why is living better than dying, huh? And it's like, <laughs> what? That's, that's not you can't start a good emotional conversation with an audience from that point like we have nothing to grab onto in Azure's point of view here because you know simply wanting things to die to not exist anymore like oh i just want to destroy things is it's the cheapest villain motivation in the world um because mm. there's no way you go beyond that it's like okay well, what do you do after you've destroyed everything turns out swarm Azure's answer is just oh we'll just rewind all of time and watch it happen again. Never Mm. mind the fact that they had a whole thing about, well, time shouldn't be controlled, it needs to run wild. It's just everything is so... It, the pieces don't fit together about what we did know about these characters and then what ultimately became of them in this last episode because the way they talked you like you said the way they talked about time made it feel big and mystical and interesting and like they had their own faith going on and Azura even mentions faith about like oh you know why is your faith in keeping things
1: alive better than
0: my faith in killing things it's like well that's there's nothing there
1: you're absolutely right and also like Like you say, like they are not just like arbitrary, like at least initially, like villains that just want destruction. That's what they end up being, but they didn't start like that. They were Times agents, they were there with an agenda, which was ostensibly to, uh, you know, free time, time. right? Let time free. But crucially, and the other thing as well is like from that very first episode, we know that they have history with the Doctor. Mm. Did we learn anything about like why they were tied together what the history was beyond that one scene that was like once doc- the doctor like defeated them like once yeah
0: Literally, like, because you remember in uh, Halloween Apocalypse, I think one of my favorite lines from that episode was when um, Swarm was like, oh, like, you and me, how we danced across time and space together. And I, I remember, like, you can go back and listen to that episode of our podcast where I was like, is that romantic? Oh, that's so sexually charged. It's so interesting. It's got so much depth to it. I, I can't wait to find out what that means. And then it's Nothing. It's just, it's nothing. that There's no answer to that mystery. There's no answer to that potential. It is just, you and I knew each other once.
1: Goodbye. It, it's not even that. It's like, you, you defeated me once. And I've been st- stewing about it for years. But we've never met until right now, audience. And you... It, oh. <laughs> um...
0: And the whole idea of like, uh, you know, I remember when Tech Taeyun revealed that she essentially let Swarm and Azure free as, you know, unwitting agents of, uh, the Division's plans. And you and I'd said, oh, that's going to prove to be really interesting, because what does Swarm and Azure do when they find out that they're just puppets? never comes back never is a thing no like nothing impacts them as characters because they're not characters they look fantastic i think they both deliver really good performances um but ultimately they they serve no purpose and then when they do finally meet up with time time kills them and they're like yes thank
1: you sweet release (laughs) it's like did did we know they wanted to die like i think only as yours like that swarm's just like oh
0: Oh, no this is a bit bad it's full circle from when he disintegrated that woman's arm in the
1: first episode and she's like oh that's crazy (laughs) speaking of that first episode did we ever find out like why who that guy was that azure was like living with when she was human and who the beacon was sent for
0: why did they have a beacon? Why were they there? Why was she cloaked inside a human? Also, if this, like, uh, thing with the Division... Because, you know, that that flashback that we did in Once Upon Time, where we see that then they first got captured. If that happened thousands of years ago, why were they in modern Antarctica? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it just... It's a thread that's completely dropped.
1: Yep. It doesn't mean anything. Didn't mean anything at all. Um, and it's so... <sighs> it's so disappointing. And, yeah. like, and this is the other thing as well, is, like, to go back to what I was saying before about how, like, at least this is, like, the last episode because I know it is kind of thing. Uh, Chibnall still can't help but be, like, there's still stuff to come because not, not even, like, chibnall's doing it it's like we're doing that because we want this to mean something so we're like okay well we don't know about that other universe that tech like was um yeah putting in front of the doctor is like we can go back to where he came from we don't know where swarm is you you know really came from i don't think they even i remember when in that trailer when the doctor was like creatures called the ravagers did they ever call them that
0: um I don't think so. I mean, like, they might have. But there's so many throwaway lines of dialogue throughout Flocks that it's like, yeah, that might have been peppered in there as a, a bullet point that Jodie had to work her way through in that script. Um, oh, truly. Who knows?
1: And then, oh my god, the most disappointing... Not the most disappointing, but another disappointing little point. When time shows up, it's just Swarm.
0: Yeah, like... Yeah, and then it takes the form of the Doctor as well, and it's like, oh, spooky, it can take anybody's form. And, like, you know, I was kind of thinking of, um, uh, what was it, like, uh, Power, or whatever that character's name was from Buffy? Glory. Glory? Who are you thinking of? Um, In season... Oh, it's one of the later seasons uh, when Spike is down underneath the school and he's all chained up, and they're appearing to everybody as, like, things that they fear and stuff. Oh, the first. The first. Yeah. Like, I was, you know, I was thinking, okay, maybe this is, like, a first-type situation. But even the first had... I mean, that was building on five seasons worth of interaction between a lot of these characters. And so when the first shows up wearing somebody's face, you, you feel something. Uh, when Time shows up wearing Swarm's face, you're like, ah... There's that, there's that budget again. <laughs> um, or there's that COVID uh, restriction again. It, yeah. It's just... It, it was very disappointing to see. And then even worse, you know, Time, I guess, is now free? Oh no, still trapped on the Temple of Atropos, but not so trapped that 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 Time couldn't just kill the Doctor then and there, but then says, nah, don't worry about it. You've got the Master to worry about
1: next time. <laughs> just to go back quickly... Um... Uh, yeah. Like, I guess we'll never find out what the Mori were, or like, what who created them, what the planet of time even is, all that stuff. Yep. It's just never probably going to come back. But then, like you say, the time has this line where it's like nothing is forever, no regeneration, no life, because beware of the forces that mass against you, and their master. <laughs> and it was like, what do you mean their master? Um. <laughs> Like, like she's an audience member. Like, she's like... Yeah. Ah, oh, you said the Master. I have a villain friend called the Master. That must be who you yeah. mean. And it's like, you are not living in this world. You do not...
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. God. It's... it. No, I get it. it. It's a deeply frustrating exchange, especially to to have all that build up. And then... It, it's the same with the <laughs> FOB Watch. It's the same with Swarm and are, It's just... Oh, I've decided this doesn't matter anymore. Goodbye. It's like oh, oh great!
1: I'm glad we spent six hours doing this. I f- I feel like Kendall calling Roman, like saying to Roman, you're not real. You're not a real person. Person. <laughs> <Listen. laughs>
0: truly, truly. Um, yeah. Look, so look. Let's say that Flux's a plot. Uh, is is a bit of a, a bit of a flop. Um, because uh, look, I said mm. the fob watch. Uh, I don't know. Do you have anything you really want to say about the Doctor choosing to not remember everything?
1: Just that. Oh, I guess it's kind of like the, the, okay. So if you are a classic who fan and you watch the key to time, it feels exactly the same way as the end of that season. So for James and other people who aren't aware, the key to time was a Tom Baker series. Um, doctor spent, you know, six stories collecting up these different key to times. It basically like a force kind of thing, but doctor who where it's like the balance of the universe is held in this key thing. Um, and then at the very end, the Doctor just, like, after, you know, however many episodes assembling this thing, he's just, like, boop! And, like, breaks it up because he's, like, no one should have this power. And it's, like, we spent so long getting all these bits together and you just, like, threw it away at the end for really yeah. no reason. Like, I, I, it makes There's feel- a good story that can be told there, you know? There is a good story, for sure. And uh, there could have been a good story here as well. And I wrote in my notes, you know... Like, maybe she's afraid of what she'll find. Maybe the journey through flux has, like, showed her that maybe she doesn't want to learn who the, her past is because that, you know, might not have been the best version of herself. Mm. But, like, I don't think we ever got that impression because every episode she was like, I need to find out who I am. I need to. I'm not real without who I am. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Yep. Sorry for the bad I'll accent. You imagine... No, look, I, I was here for it. You, you imagine a,
0: a different kind of story in Flux where... Um, and we saw some of this with the way that she treated Yaz at times, but, I mean, <laughs> we'll get to that too. Um... You imagine a flux where across each of the episodes she starts acting more and more you know brash and more careless mm. more, more aggressive blah 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 to try to sort of catch up to these memories right and then eventually you can have someone like Swarm come along and be like you're reminding me more and more of the woman that you used to be now and that could be her moment to be like oh shit that's the kind of person I was I don't need that in my life you know mm. what I mean like you could do something there that actually uses Swarm's connection and the fob watch and
1: And the way that she ends up choosing to end this story, but Chibnall, Chibnall can't even think of that kind of thing. I'm convinced more and more that he's an exceptionally uncreative person. Yes, I yeah. It's um, yeah. Well, mm. 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 um, Mm. look, let's talk about it now while we're on this subject, which is the Doctor's companions, and like. We do get some form of vindication for those earlier scenes where the Doctor was being particularly shitty to Yaz because the second-to-last scene of of Flux is the Doctor um, apologising to Yaz for the way she's treated her. Yeah. Wait, what's
0: the last scene? Uh, Her putting the... Oh, the the fob watch. Right, yeah, okay, sorry. Um, Yeah, they... Cause initially they, they meet up again after they were got separated by the weeping angels and whatnot. Um, and you know, the characters themselves acknowledge that they've been separated for what, three, four years now. Right. Mm. Um, and none of that is explored or, or really shown on screen other than a lingering look between um, uh, Yaz and the Doctor. And, you know, full credit to to Mandip and Jodie. They do have phenomenal chemistry. Mm. And so they can convey quite a bit in just a look. Like, I believe them in those little flashes of, of character work. But they are just flashes. And, and it's been so long now with these characters. And, and years apart... You, I can't imagine any other companion being separated from the Doctor for that long. And then when the Doctor shows up again, them just been like,
1: hmm, it's
0: all right. Like, no, like, it, yeah. it's not all right. Like, you... And Dan especially... Um, well, actually, let's leave Dan. Dan's a whole other problem. Um, but yeah, so, like you said, second to last scene, the Doctor finally apologizes and says, look, I'm going to let, start letting you in from this point. And Yaz says, I would really like that. And they are... This isn't just me and my my stupid uh, gay media brain watching this. They are so close to each other mm. in this moment, and there's so much raw emotion between the two of them. I saw straight people being like, I really thought they were going to kiss. Um, <laughs> and... That is... I don't know if it's intentional queer baiting. I doubt it's anything that malicious. I I think with Chibnall, there's nothing you should chalk up to malice that you couldn't just explain by stupidity. Um, (laughs) But it is a perfect example of him not realizing the the raw kind of potential that he has with this dynamic because so much of Flux, the majority of Flux, is not about it.
1: Uh, Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, like, in that last scene... We basically get what should have been something that was peppered much more throughout the story and, like, elongated, basically condensed into what a few scant lines of the Doctor saying, you know, I want to tell you everything, and Yaz being like, I like that. And it's also the other thing that I... Okay, and this is just, like, a personal annoyance, but, like, good writing, to my mind, isn't saying what you're thinking exactly as you're thinking it. It's expressing because like people it find it hard to obviously people find it hard to say what they want what they really mean and like i'm not saying that we should all be like that and that media should then reflect that because obviously like i think there's a place for utopia oh my god i'm getting so fucking on my high horse about this but like there's a place <laughs> there's for never, like never never a better time <laughs> there's never well, true there's a place for like imagining a perfect world i understand that but like it, it, The fact that none of this stuff that we get in this very last scene is felt throughout the series. You know, there was that scene where, you know, the doctor, Yaz was watching the doctor's recording and just being like, oh, miss you. I really miss mm. you. And it's like, why wasn't that more of your character? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm I'm incapable of putting together a coherent thought today. Sorry. I'm just going to start saying stuff. <laughs>
0: No, like I, 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 completely get it. Um, we've joked a lot over the past few weeks before our recordings, like, oh, we really don't want to record tonight. Like, we just really don't want to record tonight. Like, um, and I said to, I said this to Colin before, but like, I, I look at this Flux finale, and and in retrospect, most of Flux now, and I'm like, I don't know what is that to say. It's not very good. I, that's it. Like I, yeah. I just—it's just not very good. Um, and it, like I know there are a lot of people out there who liked you know parts of it or all of it or you know mi- minority parts of it, whatever. Like I'm happy for everybody who did have a good time with this, and we, we'll get to some of the stuff that we um, we liked about this finale, I guess. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's just it's been an exhausting six weeks. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's get back on
1: track. Um, Dan. Oh. Uh, Sorry. You just said, let's be more positive, And then you were like, Dan. And I went, oh. <laughs> um, do you remember when Dan was living on the poverty line? He has no home. What has he been doing since the doctor dropped him off? Has he just been living at the museum? <laughs> yeah. Ty's like, Dan, you can't keep sleeping. here. <laughs> oh, my God. He sleeps
0: in the tunnels now. He's... <clears throat> Oh, my God. Okay. Your job here is done, mole man. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Okay. No. Okay. You know what? No. Let's let's maybe, uh, you know, actually, let's get Dan out of the way because there's not much to say. Um, Look. John, Bi- John Bishop? Is that it? John Bishop. Yeah. Good guy. Seems sweet. Good performance. Um, I don't think there's anything to Dan. I think Dan is probably the shallowest
1: Chibnall character we've ever seen. <laughs> Not only the shallowest Chibnall character, but, like, the shallowest companion we've ever yeah, gotten. True. And I'm including Adam from season one in this.
0: Adam? The, the future guy?
1: Yeah, he was in there for two episodes. Oh, yeah. And then the Doctor, like, kills him. No, that's not true. No. But, um... but practically, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Dan is, is you know... I wrote in my notes, the Doctor remembers Dan exists and offers him a chance to travel in the TARDIS. And I stand by that, because, like... This has been a season of the Doctor just, like, drag... Not dragging Dan along, but just being like, Oh, Dan's here. Okay, I guess you're coming with us now. And not ever having a moment of emotional connection with him. Him never having a moment of emotional connection with her. There's never a moment of, like, Oh, the Doctor's amazing. Or, like, I understand what travelling in the TARDIS is like. It's just... This is just, like, the barest, bones, rotest, like, companion journey we've ever had. I think John Bishop is... Sweet and I like watching him. I think he has a good, like, screen presence. But oh, I when he showed when he's picked when they put him on the poster for Eve of the Daleks, which we'll get to at the end, obviously. Um, I was just like, Dan, who's Dan? <laughs> like, but why? <laughs> why? Um, yeah, and then, yeah sorry to interrupt you uh and then obviously like i think most of dan's story can be like tied up with diane's who she had a score to settle she settled it she hates dan that's the end of her story
0: yeah you know i I think that dan reminding her of a traumatic experience um is a interesting um nugget of something I don't think this episode reckons with it at all. I think they just need a reason for Dan to not want to hang around on Earth anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, well, he doesn't have a house, he doesn't have any food, and now his girlfriend doesn't like him. Like, great. Good work, Chibnall. You did it. Um, I don't know. I... Diane, uh, <laughs> there was that moment and i said this to you last week when she showed up and she said i've got a score to sell it's like this would mean something if you were a a fleshed out character um but as it is she's just another sketch of of a person here and so Mm. we spend a lot of time with her and vinda inside passenger um and You don't even get the impression that much time has passed. Like, she doesn't seem traumatized by anything. She's just like, oh, I've been having a great time figuring out how this thing works. It's like, what?
1: What? Exactly. And then, you know, that scene where Vinda's like, wow, you can really shoot a gun. And it's like, that would have been good to know well yeah the gun
0: shooting scene um there's that scene where uh she reveals that she's figured out where I don't know for some reason the infinite inside of a passenger has wiring that you can find in the ground uh, whatever it's do it's they, doctor Who, whatever do they like shoot their way out <laughs> did I forget that um no there's like a bunch of like ghost passengers inside and they shoot them and then they find the cables in the ground. And then they.
1: Maybe they do shoot it. Like, I feel like they just (laughs) shot their way out of this, like, seemingly impenetrable prison and then. And then the Doctor rescues them, so they must have got sucked back in. I can't even remember the details of this episode. Yeah, no, they,
0: they get they get pushed out and then they have just enough time for Vinda to make a phone call to the Doctor and be like, lock on to my location, then they get pulled back in and that's why the TARDIS has to land inside Passenger. The point is, during all of this, there's a moment where Vinder is like hey, you'd be really good at teaching people at the Academy how to deal with passenger-type situations. Maybe that's something that you'd be interested in. It's like, oh, that would have been really fucking cool. The idea that Dai had gone off and had this very separate adventure that's ultimately going to lead her to a brand new life. Like, that would have been fun and interesting. But instead, the last time we see Dai, she's like, oh, no, no, I can't, no, goodbye. It's like, oh, that's oh. just not the character that you were. Oh, no, I can't. I not okay. Oh my gosh, you guys! <laughs> um, I don't know. That 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 whole thing was was very disappointing to me. Um, yeah. Look, oh god, let's just keep it rolling. Um, Maybe. Bell and Vinda.
1: Before we get to Vinda, we should also just touch touch on a hidden companion, shall we say, which is star Um, this is my positive. Oh. Uh,
0: yes, I I think. Callum and I both agree Carbonista is probably the best part of Flux <laughs> which I stand by I remember when I watched the first episode and I was like I really fucking like the dog I'm glad I liked the dog I'm, I, I'm glad that has held true throughout this entire story um, because Carbonista gets arguably the most emotional beat of this story mm. um, and I mean I, the fallout from it isn't handled particularly well but um, yeah the the initial push is quite interesting
1: Yeah, so we get this scene where the Doctor and Carvanista are trapped in the Sontaran ship. Sontarans are back, by the way. I don't even want to talk about them. Um, Except for one particular scene. Um, And they're locked in, and so the Doctor's like, How should we pass the time? Let's start by, I don't know, uh, sharing some personal details about each other. And so (laughs) she's like... She just asks him, you know, how close were we? Were you my companion? And the Carvanista says... I can't talk because it will kill me. Now, this is possibly one of the best Chibnall lines that he's accidentally stumbled into because I love <laughs> how it, like, is a literal description of <laughs> Carvanista's, like, state in that current moment, but also the emotional. That's, like, writing 101 kind of thing. Um yeah. But it is a good line, and I do like the fact that, like, I think the actor who plays Carvanista Craig Ells manages to convey like that sadness that a not being able to talk about the time with the Doctor because as he reveals, Division have put this like poison in his brain that will kill him if he ever talks about the Doctor. It's uh, on the same level as like the Doctor sealing Donna's memories in case she dies, but also putting a failsafe in there so that she can defeat any enemies around her. <laughs> <coughs> We'll get to. (laughs) We'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and this this is like the stuff that I think we, or at least I can't speak for you, James. That I wanted from the story that I thought that Flux was setting up, which was like the Doctor encountering these characters from their past that they didn't remember, and then being like, "We were close, or we were villains, and we had this thing, and now I can't, and now I look at you, and you're not even the same person," kind of thing. And like, there's this great line where he's like, you know, I put the whole universe between us and then you came crashing in as if nothing had happened. And it's like, this doctor just swans about not realising that they're coming into contact with people that they, who had such a close connection with, because she doesn't remember. And that is the most, most interesting part, I think, that this scene reveals. Obviously it's small. Obviously it doesn't go on to have any impact on the doctor whatsoever, but I liked that we got it.
0: Uh, yeah, I I, I agree. Um, there's also um, <clears throat> I'm sorry. I thought of this while you were talking, and now I can't get it out of my head, so I need to ask it. How old is Easter Oh, you know, <laughs> uh, let's just say mo. <laughs> um, anyway, uh. Yes, I, I I do like all that stuff with Carvenista. Um, again, it's it's that subtext that I, I like more than the actual text itself. Mm. Um, we also find out that Carvanista is now the last oh. of the Lupari. Um, which you know, when when the Santaran first wandered into the room and he was like, ah, Carvenista, the last of the Lupari, I thought we were going to get the reveal that he had always been the last of the Lupari. Uh, because of his time in division, he was able to live much longer or fucking whatever, and he'd always been remotely controlled the ships because they'd established that he was remotely controlling the ships and i thought that was like oh shit that's a brilliantly dark little like nugget there that you've kind of just slipped by me like that's a that's a fun thing where you could have looked back on it and been like yeah actually all the clues were there that he was the last of them he's the only one we've ever seen but no there's just a whole genocide off screen (laughs) and then he has a moment about it where he's allowed to be sad
1: and then the doctor's like well shit that sucks and the story just drops it genocide happened Genocide happened. Carvanista howled, and then oh, the
0: ha- I hated the <laughs> howl so much.
1: And then Dan was like, "Fetch a dog." That's what he said. So I will fetch my dog, and then he <sighs> fetches his dog, and Carvanista runs off, and he's like, "Oh, that's all the thanks that I get." Blue, blue, blue. Well, no, I did like that scene
0: when Dan finally rescues him and Kavanese just kind of, like, saunters off. Uh, or, like, was is, like, rude to him, whatever, and Dan has that great line where he's like, oh, come on, be nice so you won't get a treat. Like, they have such an easy back and forth between the two of them. I'm shocked we didn't get to spend more time with those two together. Um, but, uh, again, I mean, Flux always,
1: like, zigs when it should zag, so fucking who knows. Doctor Who Flux put a furry in front of your children. Parents, how do you feel about that? That's all I can think about Carbonista. When you mentioned Dan, I was like, they did have a special relationship, didn't they?
0: <laughs> they did. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't really
1: have anything else to say about Carbonista because the episode doesn't have anything else to say about him. No, no, not really. Um, we could probably talk about Bell and Vinda. Um, let's talk about the failed experiment of Belle and Vinda.
0: Hmm. Remember when we thought they were going to, like, be her parents or something?
1: (laughs) There were so many theories. There was, like, maybe Vinda is a member of Division. That didn't happen. Maybe Belle and Vinda are the Doctor's parents. But, wow, not going to happen. And ultimately, they were just two characters. And I like this conceit and this idea. Ultimately, they were just two characters who were caught in the middle of the apocalypse trying to find each other. That would have been, like, a really core, solid thing to hold on to if it were introduced in the first episode uh yes completely agreed um but it wasn't <laughs> i mean bell doesn't show up till like the third episode right she shows up in the third episode which is also an episode where you're trying to wrap your head around what's happening with time uh, it- yeah <sighs> Well, I mean, that, and that's Flux's problem is that it's
0: trying to do so much at any given moment. You know, even the moment when Belle and Vinda are finally reunited, they have to share that moment with Dan and Diane being reunited. And it's like, there's just no room to breathe here. You no. can't let a moment land because there's you don't have any runway left. Like, you've just got to go. Um, yeah. and, and that really sucks because we have spent so much time building up to these two finally getting back together. Um, never mind the fact that once they do finally get back together, they both just vanish from the screen. Script. like Vinda shows up again to have one moment with the Grand Serpent but Bella's is just gone
1: Belle yeah she just I don't know she shows up in that scene where the, she's like we're gonna adopt to and Easter and run away on the ship kind of thing and Ugh. then and then she's like oh don't forget about your baby Vinda and he's like no oh, I couldn't forget about that and and then that's the end of this oh s- yeah she's pregnant yeah she's pregnant <laughs> <laughs> remember when this episode oh, like when this story like implied that like Belle's baby was somehow sentient and talking to her and <laughs> not touching that.
0: Yeah, that's a whole other chip I mean, we've talked about this before, but like there is definitely a a conservative streak to Chibble's writing, let's say. And that maybe that's maybe that's all we should say on that. Um mm. so yeah, Bell and Vinda Bit of a nothing. Um, Speaking of Vinder and bits of nothing, uh, the Grand Serpent and Mm. Kate Bishop, who are now apparently locked in a
1: bitter battle across time and space. Kate Stewart. Oh, whatever. (laughs) Just in case you wanted to go back. Obviously, you don't care. Um, Yes. Look, this is the uh, most... This is not the most annoying thing. I keep saying that. That's how dramatic I feel right now. I just want to set myself on fire. Um, But (laughs) we get this scene at the end of, like, Vinder imprisoning the Grand Serpent on an asteroid through one of the time doors in the tunnels. I hate talking about this. Um, And it's like, oh, yeah, this is the guy that, like, you risked your career, your love life, your literal life over. We haven't seen you interact with him since, and you just get a quick, I'm defeating you line, and that's it. Like, this... There's a line in this sidebar slightly, but there's a point to this. There's a line in this episode where the doctors, like, list... A few times, actually, where they're listing off all the stuff they need to do. And it's like... Hmm. And then they're like, oh, there's so much to do. And I'm like, there didn't need to be this much stuff. This didn't need to be so overcomplicated. And the fallout and the, you know, the, the, the bad stuff that happens is a purely result of like all these disparate threads. We could have had a seat. We could have had like Vinja be a proper plot thread and his like personal vendetta against the Grand Serpent. But he, I didn't think, I honestly don't think the Grand Serpent needed to be there at all. I thought they were the worst character to include. Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Do you remember when he said to aim all the missiles at Targeted cities on Earth. What was that about? Did he say? Did he pull the trigger? Well, who knows? <laughs> but that's, that's the thing. Like, there's just so many little pieces that I, I kind of look back on. Like, wait, what was that about? Re- remember
1: um, when we got those shots of like space from Earth, and it was like lit up, like the sun was on it, but also the ships were shielding Earth.
0: Yeah, I don't really know how the planet was Oh, it doesn't matter. It's like Here's the thing, I don't wanna go I don't wanna get too like behind the, the microphone here or anything, but like we are struggling here. They're, like it just I don't know what to say. It wasn't mm. good.
1: We could probably like start to sum up our feelings at this point. You know, we have Sontarans that come back. Worst choice. I don't know why they are the ultimate vanquishers in this universe of Doctor Who for this story, this epic story apparently. Um and we obviously get a terrible scene with them like raiding corner shops for chocolate. Um was was that established
0: in like classic who or something? No. No, this oh, is Oh, okay. I I just assumed that was like
1: a nugget for like old school fans, like oh, they really like sweets. This is just a completely chiptune creation where like Apparently, they've been raiding corner shops for sweets because they can't get enough of sweet, sweet human candy.
0: But... It- and then Yaz shows up and she's like, try a refreshing solo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's what... Yeah, they... Oh, God. That scene... Do you remember when everyone on Twitter was like, oh, the Sontarans are coming back and Chibnall's made them scary again and they're soldiers? And then not a s- episode later... Even in the episode where they were supposed to be scary, they became comedy characters again? Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, the Sontarans did it, now they've done it again. Like,
0: there's... He just can't help himself mm. uh, than to make them the butt of the joke. Um, and I think especially the... the whole, like, Augustus gloop of it all, like, smearing Ugh. chocolate all over your face, like, oh, look at the short, fat thing eating chocolate. It's just so... Shit,
1: I. Oh, shit. I don't know. It's shit. We don't need to spend any more time on it. The Santarians are shit. That I like. I I kind of forgotten they were here. In the same way, I forgot that the Doctor splits
0: herself up across three different time streams.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like to <do>. remember that, <laughs> uh, but I have nothing to say about that. You know, it just well, happens. That's the problem. Yeah, it, it just, hap- like, everything in The Vanquishers just
0: happens. Um, and it exists to have it further explain what's happening to you. Um, you know, when... You know, oh, look, admittedly, one of my favourite scenes, probably other than the the Carbonista stuff maybe my favorite scene of this episode was when the Grand Serpent is interrogating the doctor um and in a, another very Star Warsly lit scene and shot scene but fucking whatever it is what it is um and you know she's she gets this moment where she's like well you've got two problems I'm not really here so you can't do your snake trick on me because she's being torn across the different uh universes or whatever um and secondly like that's your other problem and it's the TARDIS appearing and she gets out of it and it's like yeah that's a fucking fun beat like that's really cool and I was quite excited when that first happened because I thought wow this this is gonna blow this whole finale wide open there's a lot of things they could do now and instead it's just shot reverse shot of her talking exposition to herself Mm. and it it, oh I don't know
1: (laughs) yeah and like I think you get that scene where like she's like oh you're really cute doctor thanks doctor Or like where they interrupt each other and they're like, oh, I said that, Doctor. And she's like, sorry, Doctor. And it's like, this, mm, this could
0: have been good. It could have been, but it's just, it's just more riffs on what RT did 15 years ago. Like Mm. it's, it's, it's that Chibnall creativity problem again, where it's like, you've done this thing that gives you a lot of potential for storytelling and you choose to do the most rote shit with it. It's like, oh, the Doctor wants to fuck herself and she's a bit cheeky. Oh, fuck, shocker
1: yeah could have told you that for free didn't have to put a fucking six episode series up and make people watch it and get up at 6 a.m to watch it (laughs) Um.
0: Uh, that's it look i know i sound angry but like ultimately i'm i'm just like i'm not even disappointed anymore i'm just like okay whatever that happened um and yeah i know that hasn't made for a particularly great
1: podcast for you folks to listen to but um i i don't know i i don't know what there is to say The only other things really to talk about are... Well, I mean, briefly, I'm just going to say that the Daleks and Cybermen get introduced just to be eaten up by uh, the Flux um, in the most pointless of um, cameos we've ever had. Um, A
0: a pointless cameo and a shocking undermining of your entire title premise you know the flux itself is meant to be this universe ending storm and then they're like oh we figured out if we just feed it enough it'll slow down and for some reason uh daleks and cybermen is the thing that's going to be enough matter for it to consume that will slow down not the countless planets that it's eaten in the meantime or whatever um so that that to me already was like wait how are you fixing the problem exactly and then um, you know, uh, what's her name? Um, die and Vinda can shoot their way out of Passenger, but apparently Passenger can just hold all of this universe destroying Storm inside of itself as ugh. well.
1: Yeah, and, like, cool image, but... Oh, great. But that's it. It's just an image. It doesn't mean... Exactly. Yeah. Anything. It's... it's, it's the only other things worth talking about this episode probably is, like... I'm not even going to say Kate Stewart. I think, like i i forgot she was even in this episode i cannot recall a single scene where she even spoke this is how like little uh, well, she, she has in. that
0: scene where she's like kate stewart defender uh, no she has the james bond line i'm sorry i forgot that was such an odd choice stewart kate stewart and it's
1: like oh wh- <laughs> who cares <laughs> and then we have williamson who like just gets like unceremoniously like told by the doctor to fuck off the Mole Man? <laughs> the Mole Man. She's like, you're done now, you can go back to Earth, and he's like, great, see you later. Well,
0: yeah, that's it. Like, it's such an inorganic way of folding in the the time doors, which in and of themselves ended up being a bit of a nothing. I, I don't... Did, did they have any relevance to the plot? No, they were just doors that showed up out of nowhere. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. It, it, whatever. Um, Claire and Jericho are also
1: around. Um, so... What, remind me, the Doctor goes back and gets Claire and she's like, thanks for picking me up, and that's it?
0: Yeah, it's like, oh yes, the Angels displaced me, but now now we're gonna come and get you three years later because Claire has also been, uh, you know, progressing, I guess, in real time in the same way that Dan and Yaz were and whatnot. Um... And so, and uh, like, I, I thought this was an unintentionally very funny callback to Village of the Angels because if you'll recall in that episode, I was complaining about the way that the um, shots were set up when they were approaching the edge of the village that was now floating in space. You could see that from their point of view, they would have been able to see the edge of the village for at yeah. least a kilometre, right? Yeah. Um, and by the time they actually get up to there, they're like, what's this? Um, in this episode, Claire is walking down a big old empty street and then only as she approaches to the very front of the camera, she's like, oh, doctor. And the camera pans over and it's just the doctor standing there also in the street.
1: <laughs> it's, 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 it's bad. It's bad. And yeah. Uh, yeah. she just gets introduced just to like, I don't know, feed the Santaran psychic center. Cause apparently everyone's psychic. Um, well, yeah, the Sontarans have a, uh, no, I, 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 I'm i pretty
0: sure the Sontarans took control of a facility that was already on Earth that was already harnessing the psychic power of humans.
1: Whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, then Jericho dies. <laughs> Jericho dies. It's probably a good moment if I cared about him um, because... Well, I mean, it's a good... It's a good... It, he's a good actor. Mm. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and he got like to hang out with the team i guess uh did he (laughs) in survivors oh right yeah yeah (laughs) remember that remember when they left that little girl in that village (laughs) sorry um (laughs) you
0: know um i I think i I read a review last night uh that said you know when jericho dies uh i mean the manner in which he dies is is one of those like kind of superfluous Doctor Who deaths. Um, th- eventually, the the, uh, the 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 flux is what it's called. The flux is going to, like, eat him up, basically. And so he's got a few seconds left. Um, and he's talking to the Doctor via comlink or whatever, and he's like, oh, you know, this time I've spent with you has been the most amazing time of my life. And this guy in the review brought up a really good point. Like, he should be saying that to Yaz. He hasn't spent any time with the Doctor.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's true, and it's the same with Dan. Like, Dan should be... Closer to Yaz, because he spent more time with Yaz, really. He was her companion, for lack of a... Yeah. You know, that's what I thought was being set up. Like, doctor what has not would the been... Doctor do? You what? know, that that was a whole point at some point for Yaz's arc here, and then it just disappears. Totally. Totally. She Remember when she spent the Survivors of the Flux, like, actually leading that group? Hmm. Well, no, because we just got told she was leading them. Well, that's also true. Um, Ugh. <laughs> look... Look, I don't want anyone to out there to think that, like, we don't- <laughs> I was about to say, I don't want it out there to think we don't like Doctor Who. <laughs> we do like Doctor Who. We wouldn't be devoting most of our personal lives to this show if we didn't. But there is a- I think you said this to me before we started recording, which is like, we do- It's not our job to hold the hands of the people making this show and tell them they did a good job when they didn't. Like, mm-hmm. we are fans of this show. We are... We are invested in it. And that comes with... Not a right, obviously. But that comes with, like, a certain level of... I was going to say expertise. I don't know what this word is, really. But just...
0: Um, look, if I could just mm. d- piggyback Save on what me for myself. I think
1: you're trying to say here.
0: Yeah, no, no. Like, I think, yes, we are fans of the show. Totally, right? But also... and. I hope this isn't lost on on anyone listening at home, but like Callum and I are both media critics. Like I I get paid to crit to be critical of media, and sometimes I love things, sometimes I don't. But I do have and- a, a a particular set of skills and perspectives that I've honed over years of understanding storytelling. At least I like to think so, anyway. And Callum also is in the same boat. He he goes and he reviews um like plays and shit like that. Like we both have that skill set underneath our our belts here. And so like, yes, we are quite critical of Chidmo Zero, of Doctor Who. And it's okay if you don't agree with that. It's okay if you don't even like that very much. If you just wanna be a fan of this and go and have fun, then please go and have fun. Um, But I like to think anyway, that um, what we do here on Two Hearts is beyond just, oh, well, we're fans of Doctor Who. It's like, yeah, cool, everyone's a fan of Doctor Who what what do we actually think about Doctor Who? Like, like what do we think Doctor Who is trying to say? Is it saying it well? Like, all of those questions are the, are the stuff that we really enjoy doing this podcast. And Flux has just been this, like, steady slope um, where, you know, we started quite high and we've ended up here. And I know that we've just complained for the past hour
1: and it's because, like, yeah, I think there's an hour worth of complaints here. And I think Callum agrees. I absolutely do. And I really want to qualify what you're saying by just making it clear that when we say we're being critical, we're not, I don't mean, we don't mean critical like in a negative sense, because I think obviously a lot of people hear that word and they think, oh, you're just critiquing it for no reason. You're being critics, blah, blah, or whatever. Um, When we say critical, we specifically mean like just critical thinking, which is not good, not bad, just unpacking what's happened and. Uh, unpacking what's happened and yeah (laughs) critique is a neutral skill totally totally and you know we can we have been on this show obviously like we've like been critical of the show and praised it (laughs) and so but ultimately I don't want anyone out there to be like you hate god obviously it's emotional because It's tied to something that we love, Mm. but I'm not hating this or you're not, you know, hating again is the wrong word. Um, we're not, we're not, not enjoying it because of our, my God, basically what I'm saying is it's not coming from an emotional place, even if it's when we talk emotionally driven
0: oh yeah like we're two fucking gay dudes with a a recording in front of us of course we're gonna be like dramatic and like ugh about all of it because like yeah like that, that's just fun but like I, I i do hope that across these six episodes um if this if this has been your first time jumping onto our podcast because like we have noticed a bit of an uptake in in listeners and like genuinely thank you so much um we just hope that you understand that i mean for one we're often recording these the night of or the, the night after seeing it um i haven't even had a chance to rewatch it because like we have lives, we work, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of shit going on. Um, and normally when we do our critiques, we've had, we, we stew on it for a couple of weeks. We watch it a few times. We make our big notes. Like we, we have a process with it. Um, so when we get back to our regularly recorded programming, uh, you, hopefully you'll get back to that a little bit as well. Um, but also that again, underneath those dramatics and us having fun here, like, um, we, like Callum said at the top of this whole spiel that we've gone on here to wrap ourselves up, um, we it's not our job to hold Chris Chibnall's hand, um, and the any good faith that we once had is is pretty much spent. Um, we're going to talk about Eve of the Daleks in a second, and there's some stuff we'll get into with that as well, but um, ultimately i don't think flux works i i think flux is is actively bad for the most part um and any potential it has is squandered by the end so
1: yeah like yeah and I'm not sorry. a reason to not <laughs> have a future showrunners pursue this t- like idea in the future i think we both were pretty energized at this concept mm, um, definitely. but y- yeah this has not been a satisfying uh season of television and is on par with i think the worst excesses of season 12 and 11 as well it, it's not like he's gotten better with time he's just sort of concreted into that particular mode of storytelling yeah. that is so uninspiring and uncreative um to us um and i also hope that you don't think that that last section was like patronizing in any way like mm, you don't really understand what we're doing here um but i feel. i just i feel like it's funny james maybe you don't agree but like i feel like we just needed to like explain ourselves because it has been the first time we've been talking to something that's going out on air and uh, this is our stepping out into the world kind of season.
0: (laughs) Well, kind of. Yeah. And like, I just don't need anyone to think that we're not, like, self-aware about the fact that, like, we we know we've been overly negative. Like, um, we're, we're not, you know, so far up our own asses that we can't be like, oh, well, we're just correct. It's like, no, this, this no. is just how we feel. Mm. Um, and yes, we are aware that it has been very negative. Um, we hope that we have... You know, that, that last little spiel is, is literally, like, we are just very earnest people. And this is us just putting it out there. Um, it's been an experience doing this. I don't think either of us has particularly enjoyed doing this week to week. We like oh, having God. more time to organize ourselves. Um, I'm so tired. But, uh, yeah. So I'm, tired. <laughs> I'm just tired. Um, the Ravages. Is that what it's called?
1: No, nope, The Vanquishers.
0: The Ravages um, wouldn't have been a good title. Would
1: have made sense. It would have been. But they would no, have been good villains they just had well. to insert Vanquishers into this somehow.
0: Yeah, um, the Vanquishers on its own for me is getting a a D, um, and Flux as a whole is a like a D plus, maybe a C minus. I don't know.
1: I think yeah, I think a D for me, and a C minus for the series in general. Maybe a C if I was being generous. If I was thinking about the best parts of this series, um, but yeah, I feel pretty defeated by the end of this season. I got to tell you. And, and the, the comment you made, we made before about like, you know, it's not our job to handhold Chibnall through actually came about because you were telling me about a tweet you saw, which was like someone, or no, it was a podcast, wasn't it? And they were talking about, Hmm. um, Eva the Daleks and like, oh, the trailer looks good. And it's like, no, we've been through this so many (laughs) times. The trailers look good. The show is shit. (laughs)
0: Yes, exactly. The marketing department is very good at their job. Um, I genuinely applaud them for the trailers they cut together because Eve of the Daleks looks phenomenal. Um the that trailer is so exciting and so interesting. Um I don't know. I, I, I guess we'll see. We're gonna talk about it anyway.
1: I don't think it looks like it looks phenomenal, but I think it for the first time like implies a story. <laughs> like this is probably the most story we've got from a a trailer ever you know remember when flux came out and it was like epic amazing brilliant and showed us nothing that was like epic or amazing or brilliant yeah
0: six part story i mean like that's the other thing and we we touched on this actually during this this recording sorry six episodes six (laughs) um but like the idea that so many people used the, its, it's six-part structure as a defense mechanism against criticism the entire time. being mm. like, we'll just wait and see how it turns out. Wait and see how it turns out. It's like, yeah, cool. We waited. We've seen how it turns out. And now that negativity is also being rebuked by, well, of course, they're not going to be finished with everything in the six parts that they told you they'd be finished <laughs> in. You just have to wait. And it's like, no, like, enough. <laughs> enough yeah. is enough. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um Even the dialects though we've got time loop stuff we've got aishling b it like i it's a holiday episode so like again there's a certain level of goodwill i'm gonna have towards it um and obviously i'm gonna sit down and watch the episode
0: oh obviously i'm i'm guessing the universe is fine because that trailer
1: doesn't give any indication that Flux has left any impact on anything. So. Remember when the Doctor was like, anything that can be, like, scrunched up can be expanded again. And then at the end of this story, she was just like, Ah, uh, all that stuff. Nah, fuck it. It's gone. I can't be asked. Getting it back. Oh well. <laughs> it's very odd. It's...
0: If you... If you out there... If you have an understanding of how the universe is at the end of this <laughs> whole thing... Hats off to you. Um, It's fucked. Because I I have no idea what's going on anymore. Um so i think we you and i have said enough from our own point of view um as always we have asked for your feedback so on twitter let me pull it up um beowulf irl has replied to us saying um i found flux frustrating some brilliant ideas and characters that fell apart saying that i still enjoyed the series overall but it could be it could have been amazing if they just focused on the flux stuff the angels episode derailed it completely and took up valuable time
1: oh my god yes yes you're right
0: exactly right that angels episode really did derail this whole experience um so thank you for that feedback we appreciate that and a friend of the show danny has written in again hey guys feel free to cut this down or summarize this this is a joke because last time we made jokes about how long danny's emails were but we genuinely appreciate them so thank you um i agree flux is a flop what frustrates me most is that there are too many half-baked characters i hope covid yeah, I hoped COVID-19 would result in a small and intimate cast with characterization. Instead, Chibnall introduced bundles of useless characters like Dan, the Serpent King, Tektayun, Dai, Vinda, Kate, Bell, and even Azua. I like some of these characters, but they are all useless to the plot. I still can't tell you what Flux is or how it really works, but more importantly, why it matters. Chibnall has thought going big and epic and that will make it exciting. But really, it's all just confusing. Perhaps less characters would make it more understandable. Rather than vignettes, Tell a single um, tell us a single character trait. That will go on, to have an impact on the story or character. What happened to Dan being poor, and how does that add meaning to his character now? Sorry for another long email. I removed about 60% of it (laughs) of my original. Regards, Danny. P.S. I hope that RTD can bring back some of what he has brought from his first time. Specifically, I enjoy how he time-locked the Time Lords, made Daleks a threat, and introduced companions as romantic interests. They are all huge departures from Classic Who, and I do not know... And I do not want the same changes, but I would enjoy a strong shake-up.
1: I agree. I Yeah. The stuff about... Sorry, Danny. The stuff about RTD, I'm like... I'm not, like, waiting for romantic companions to come back necessarily. But I do agree with everything else you're saying here. Oh, no. I, I think let the doctor fuck. Okay, That's so go completely opposite direction. Just, like, full-on <laughs> hardcore porn. Um, <laughs> and what was that tweet that was, like... Um, the, we should just like, the doctors should just have full frontal nudity. We just have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. We just have oh, to have it. Good. Oh. oh, well,
0: Flux, we're done. I, uh, we are both so excited to get back to our old structure when we talked about, um, old new.
1: <laughs> yeah. So like just a bit of housekeeping, I guess, at the end of this episode, we are obviously now at the end of Flux. Um, And we will be covering Eve of the Daleks when it comes out. Um, But from here, we're just going to have a bit of a little bit of a break. We're going to have some festive fun and cover a a classic Who next time. Um, And then after New Year's and after Eve of the Daleks, it will be back into series four um, at a to-be-determined time.
0: Yes, we technically recorded our midnight episode about... I mean, it's like seven weeks ago at this point. It was because it was right before Flux happened. Um, But I forgot to edit it and post it. And so now that one's just been in the can for, you know, nearly two months. We'll be three months by the time it actually gets posted. Um, So there'll be no Flux talks in that one. You are spared from that. Uh, (laughs) And then we'll be back on track with uh, Turn Left, which is so exciting.
1: We should probably take the news section out of that episode because whatever news we had then is so out of date now.
0: Oh, it'll be like a little fun time capsule for (laughs) those listening at home. Um, Okay, look, you know the spiel, but my name is James. You can find me on Twitter at OMGMoreJames.
1: (laughs) That was so... That was so energetic. (laughs) Look, we're both tired. Like, it's... We're working. I'm just glad this is over. (laughs) We're both working full time, girls. Um, yeah, we're working working full time girls. <laughs> <laughs> we're bold types. We're bold. <laughs> we're bold types. Oh, the bold type. I wish we could talk about that. Anyway, I've been Callum, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Theatric Callum. Um, and obviously, as we said at the top of the show, if you want to reach out, have your thoughts and feelings read, you can email us. We are at twoheartspodcast at gmail.com. That is two, the word two. And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Two Hearts Pod. That's the number two. If you liked our Flux reviews, drop us a review on iTunes. Quid pro quo, guys. We're here. We love hearing your feedback, and we have enjoyed like seeing your feedback on Twitter and on social media as the series has rolled on. And 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 we hope to get more of it, you know. And as we go on into new and braver pastures.
0: Uh, yes. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> goodbye <laughs> if you thought that ending was abrupt just wait till you watch Flocks.
1: uh all right we're done uh. with the jokes um stay safe have a we'll, we'll talk to you again before then but have a lovely christmas
0: <laughs> yes merry christmas <Chrysler. laughs>